0: What is going on everybody welcome in to episode number 466 of underground sports philadelphia it's kb and matt coming at you from underground studios we've got a loaded show for you tonight gotta dive into obviously a big eagles win and preview an upcoming matchup against carson wentz and the commanders philadelphia union still fighting for that Supporters shield the phillies looking to bounce back they have already Gotten off to their first pitch against the Blue Jays with Zach Wheeler back. We're going to get into Survivor as we always do, season three of us talking about Survivor on this show. And uh, we'll also touch on the Water Dogs Lacrosse Club winning the PLL championship and a Philadelphia boy taking home the MVP of that game. But before we get started, make sure you guys are following us on the socials at Underground PHI on Twitter. Instagram, Facebook.com slash underground sports phi, twitch.tv slash underground sports phi. Follow Matt on Twitter at Matt Cast Follow me at KBI three one one. Check out the website, undergroundsportsphiladelphia.com for all of our written content. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe to the podcast feed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, we are there. And leave those five-star ratings and reviews. It does go a long way for helping more people find the show in audio form gets more people talking with us underground and that's all we want we want more people joining this underground community talking philly sports with us and of course subscribe to the underground sports philadelphia youtube channel where you get full video episodes of every underground sports philadelphia podcast we're on that road to 1k as well uh so make sure you subscribe smash that like button ring the bell icon Comment down below your thoughts on the Eagles matchup against the Vikings and how that game went. Your thoughts on the upcoming game against the Commanders. Obviously, the Union in that fight for the supporter shield. Do you think the Phillies are still going to make the playoffs? And of course, if you're a Survivor fan, we want you to tap in below with your thoughts on Survivor, but keep it spoiler free for 24 hours. You know, keep it light for the people who may have missed out. Uh, big thank you to our sponsors who make this show happen: Main Auto LLC douche Arms pro foot security 21 security systems paul j gillespie incorporated the dental wellness center of vineland tomahawk shades the best small batch eyewear in the game just because summertime is coming to an end doesn't mean the sun's not out and doesn't mean you're not inside watching football baseball playoffs premier league and of course you know anything else that's potentially on tv you need to protect your eyes with those blue light plus glasses and if you're watching us on YouTube. You should be wearing Tomahawk Shades Blue Light Plus glasses. They're the best in the game. Go to TomahawkShades.com and use code USP for 25% off your order at TomahawkShades.com. Kenwood Beer, it's the official beer of Underground Sports Philadelphia and the official beer of football season. Go to KenwoodBeer.com and use the all-new and improved Kenny Tracker to see who's got Kenwood Beer on tap in the Philadelphia area. you got to be 21 or older to do so. And, of course, please drink responsibly. And our pals over at Bino, it's like paper football meets foosball, tailgating seasons here. And if you don't have a Bino board with you at your tailgate, you're tailgating incorrectly, especially for these final few regular season union matches. And going into the playoffs, you'll be the talk of the tailgate if you have a Bino board in hand. And this coming Friday, their Team Spain board will be dropping at noon Eastern time. So go over to binoboard.com, check out all of their World Cup boards that they have to offer, get yourself a custom board, accessories, merch, and use code BINO USP at checkout for 10% off your order at binoboard.com. What's going on, Matt?
1: I am just living the dream, you know?
0: Uh, one thing that I did want to bring up as, you know, September is uh, slowly but surely coming to a close. There was a tweet a few weeks ago being that, you know, your first wedding anniversary, my sister and you got married on Halloween last year, obviously. Uh, I don't know if you saw Meek Mill tweeting out that for everybody who got married in October, the 10 year anniversary, he's going to come perform for you.
1: Yeah, I think uh, if I had known that that deal was on the table, maybe it would have pushed to postpone it to to this year. But maybe I could write him an email and ask, like any October, you know, Is like because retroactively at the wedding too. Yeah, and there's I mean there's two weddings that I've been at that are close to me that uh, Dreams and Nightmares played a, a a key theme in either the night or the the weekend, the weekend long celebration. So yeah, maybe I have to reach out to Meek Mill about that.
0: Well, uh, we'll have to talk to Michael Rubin. He'll probably be our point of contact now that uh, he doesn't have to deal with the Sixers or anything. But uh, the Philadelphia Eagles, Matt, off to a hot 2-0 start. Uh, I talked about it a little bit on the most recent episode, but they take down the Minnesota Vikings. They silence Justin Jefferson from going to his postgame press conference. I'm still very disappointed in Kyle Brandt for going radio silent on that one. Um, but the Eagles look like one of the best teams in the NFL right now, as do your Dolphins. Uh, And it's very exciting to have good football uh, to be watching early in the season. First week two win for the Eagles since 2016. What a trend to break for the world to see on national television.
1: Yeah, uh, a pretty complete performance, too, which was uh, good to see. I think, you know, defensively, this team looked very strong in that game. And, uh, you know, we saw the Vikings, at least, you know, in the first week against Green Bay. Able to get, like, a lot of the easy looks and able to do a lot of the the small things right. Um, Felt like maybe, I will say, Kirk Cousins in prime time, historically. Not a good... uh, Officially (laughs) 2-10 on
0: Monday Night Football.
1: Yeah, so, uh, you know, whenever that's on the the opposite side of the field for you, I think that's a big advantage and a nice boost. But Eagles controlled the game really well. Uh, 36 minutes time of possession to Minnesota's 23. Um, And it certainly felt that way. It felt like Eagles were were holding the ball quite a bit more had a lot more of that possession um yeah i, I thought just uh especially you know you start off the way you did I, I think that's that's the good recipe for the eagles this year because you know it hasn't been talked a lot about but yeah that that defense has been reinforced in a lot of ways through the draft and through free agency uh but, you know this summer i think so much has been about the offense because you know there was obviously a big leap taken there with a.j brown and you know so much i think of uh, the discussion, probably rightly so, has been about Jalen Hurts and his potential step forward, and he certainly looked the part uh, again on Monday night. Um, I feel like maybe the defensive improvement hasn't been mentioned as much. That this could be, you know, a, a big, big factor in uh, how the Eagles win this year.
0: Yeah, and I mean, a lot of people last season wanted to claim that you know Darius Slate took a step back. And even I think twenty twenty they wanted to say that, you know, he didn't look like the same player. Why are the Eagles giving up draft capital for him? Well, he's been proving week in and week out, I think, since, you know, the latter half of last season and now two weeks into this year, why you go out and trade for a guy of that caliber. Still seems like he's playing at a top three DB level in the NFL. Uh could have arguably had five interceptions in that game against Kirk Cousins. Uh, He did drop one and, you know, a couple more thrown his way, but he's going to be an anchor of this defense. I think James Bradbury being opposite of him helps a lot, you know, to have quarterbacks have to try to make that decision of who do you want to throw towards. Now you bring in CJ Gardner Johnson on the back end as well, who, you know, is a, a corner converted to safety for this Eagles team. That also, you know, goes into the plot of, Who do you want to, you know, risk throwing the ball to when you have three of those guys out there, not to mention Marcus Epps, Avante Maddox, and a re, you know, a reinvigorated and a reinforced linebacker group that could arguably be the best set of linebackers the Eagles have had since, like, 2004, Um, you know, that's going to make Darius Slay look even better than he actually already is, and he's, he has played at a, you know, a Pro Bowl level, and right now he's playing at an All-Pro level.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think Darius Slay has, has looked really good uh, this year, and like you mentioned, you know, getting Bradbury, who still was as good as a giant. Um, you know, it, I think a, a little bit of a surprise too that he, that he ended up um, kind of in the way he did onto the Eagles. So, yeah, uh, a, a lot of good stuff I, I think to, to take away from that game and and move forward because this felt like a tricky game too. You know, mm-hmm. I, I'll be honest, you know, coming into it, it uh, felt like one that could you could, could kind of like. Disappoint, you know, so to speak, and uh, you know you consider the first week you get a little bit of a scare against the Lions. Who that looks that game looks even better now when you saw the Lions' performance against Washington. uh, How frankly, like dominant they were for large stretches of that game. Uh, That offense does look better than I think we maybe expected it to be. Um, You know, and you saw obviously again what Minnesota did to Green Bay. A defense you'd expect to be very good this year Uh, felt like they carved them up a lot in that went along with our preconceived idea, our preseason idea of what the Vikings were going to be. So to see the Eagles, you know, lock together a performance like that is, uh, is a good thing. But, um, you know, it, it's all about next week now. You know, that that's the thing, too. Is, you know, it's, it's so early in the season. Two games in, it doesn't matter what team you're talking about. Um, it's just it's very hard to live and die, you know, on, on week two performances and results because we know. Think of the Eagles after week two last year, you know, and just to what a a completely different team that was to the team that finished that season, let alone to now. And then, you know, where this team will be in in December.
0: And it it really felt like one of those games where people are believing in this team. And sure, it was, you know, primetime ABC. But for the home opener, you know, on a Monday night, for the amount of, you know, big A-list celebrities both – athlete and, you know, television and superstars that were in attendance. It felt like a bigger game really than, you know, on the surface of it being, you know, a week two NFL regular season game. It felt like a playoff atmosphere. The crowd was incredible. And then, you know, Bryce Harper and Kayla Harper in attendance sitting in, you know, the Mike Trout section with Mike Trout's brother, who for some reason people on Twitter thought his brother was actually Mike Trout uh i didn't understand they do look a lot alike in a, they do it, in their defense
1: <laughs> i see him a lot at my job yeah actually, and same i do a little double take
0: <laughs> i see the trout family quite often mike's brother's a lawyer so he's always uh at the day job you know picking up like filing cabinets and stuff like that for his office so uh i can see why the mistake is made but then when you go back and look it's like oh that's not mike he doesn't have a, a gigantic muscular frame and or large neck um <laughs> And then, you know, you have James Harden and his crew there gets the the interception ball from Darius Slay, looking like a a kid on Christmas getting the autograph from Big Play Slay. Uh, And then you have Quinta Brunson, star of Abbott Elementary, which is also back tonight uh, on TV, so that's exciting. She was in attendance, Bradley Cooper, Quest Love. It was just like the who's who of attendance uh, at the Eagles game on Monday night
1: yeah uh it felt you know puts a one and Emmy and it felt like we were at the Emmys with all the uh all the celebrities there it was, uh it's good it's cool you know like i I do the same way like when you see like sixers games too we see like uh you know, like big stars there It just makes it feel a little more exciting not that you need much more for like home opener Monday night against kind of a, a team too that has some some history obviously like talk a little bit about the, the lead up with the Justin Jefferson stuff and I'm glad that narrative. I feel like this is maybe the game that kind of quells that a little bit. Yeah. You know, if he has, like, a big night against the Eagles, even if they don't win, but if he has a big night, you know, you're still hearing about it. And you'll always hear about it. I mean, just frankly, it's it's never not going to be brought up in any conversation about the Vikings and Eagles. But um, I do think just the nature of, of the way the game went and that Jefferson didn't really have a spectacular night. didn't have a terrible night, but you know, nothing, uh, nothing that leapt out at you means maybe, like... Maybe another year or two before we have to like really dredge through this 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 minefield of uh, a discussion.
0: Yeah, Justin Jefferson uh, went one for seven, or Kirk Cousins, I should say, went one for seven passing in the direction of Justin Jefferson while covered by Darius Slay for a 0.00 passer rating, uh, and Justin Jefferson had seven yards receiving in those pass attempts. He finished with forty eight yards, went out and put up you know backup running back numbers against Darius Slay, uh, and I don't know why, but it felt like Adam Thielen just did not exist in that game, yet he led the Vikings in receiving. He had 52 yards uh, receiving in that game, but I feel like I didn't hear Buck or Aikman call his name once during the game, which was astonishing.
1: Yeah, that's his nickname, I believe. That was uh, the blind spot. You know, you just don't <laughs> see Adam Thielen ever, but, but he, he figures out a way somehow. Yeah.
0: Uh, and it was it was a good, promising improvement from week one as well, seeing the Eagles defense really step up and shut down Dalvin Cook. Obviously, they let DeAndre Swift kind of have his way with them in week one. Uh, but to see the improvements that Jonathan Gannon made uh, from week to week was very impressive. And now you head on to, to week three, going down to uh, Maryland, not Washington, D.C., uh, to take on... Carson Wentz and the Commanders, Uh, he spoke today to the media talking about how he, you know, looks back fondly on his time in Philadelphia. There were ups and downs, and obviously, you know, he wishes there were some things that he could have done better. Uh, Jason Kelsey said that he's still a good friend, and they talk all the time. They talk today. Um, I feel like this game's getting the hype of Carson Wentz coming back to the link. But this game is on the road. I feel like the game that everybody should be really, you know, egging on these storylines should be Carson Wentz's return to the link. Uh, But nonetheless, first time Carson Wentz is on a division opponent now. And uh, you got to take care of these division games. If you're the Eagles this year, especially, you know, take advantage while Dak Prescott is out for the Cowboys. And uh, I don't know, looking at, at this Eagle schedule today, I was looking at it, with DJ earlier today, Matt, and you you look at who they have going into the bye week for these you know next four games, seems like, on paper, very winnable games against the Commanders. You have Jacksonville coming to town, so the return of Doug Peterson. You go on the road to take on the DeAndre hopkins list Arizona Cardinals, and then Sunday night football primetime, potentially no Dak Prescott, Eagles-Cowboys at the link.
1: Well... You saw a cooper rush play it against the Bengals. i don't know it might be uh might be an upgrade in, in many ways but yeah it's weird you have back-to-back weeks too with uh, a weird like kind of outside the numbers type of narrative story about like a return in some way and um i would say like washington and jacksonville yeah you might look at them on paper and, and think a certain way uh, but they've they've shown to be like maybe a little more challenging than you might expect jacksonville obviously just uh Absolutely demolished the Colts last week, and Washington has shown to be a little scrappy. I mean, Carson Wentz has ironically had like an amazing start to the season, uh, at least individually. Uh, you know, and has certainly not been afraid of, of slinging the ball around. I do think some of his weaknesses get magnified a little more. You know, like he's not as turnover prone as people. Like he, right. he has like the high real turnover type of plays, um, but like he's really not like the most uncomfortable really it's the sacks with him it's the decision making it's yeah uh, i was gonna say the
0: decision making is what leads to i think that magnifying glass
1: because you can tell it's a lot of hero ball uh with him you rather than just uh, trying to fit it into tight spaces or just you know make the the big play but um you know last year you know eagles took care of washington in both games that's obviously a, a pretty different washington team but um historically, has just been a, a team that the Eagles have been able to to get one over in years past. So um hope that that's the, the same narrative we have to roll with now. But, yeah, you look at the schedule, and and it does feel nice. But each week brings its own challenges. You know, like Arizona, you look ahead to and think, like, yeah, should be able to, to beat that team. Then you watch Kyler Murray just figure out a way against a good Raiders defense, at least that front, um, and just – I, I don't know if you saw the end of that game, but it was just unbelievable watching him scramble and essentially just go like mad in creative mode, and, and uh, <laughs> you know just kind of run around and, and just make it happen. Uh, just insane stuff. So whenever you have like individual talent like that, it's it's always hard. And like we said, with, with the Cowboys, Eagles are pretty much split with them for our entire life. So you know it's, it's very rare that either team uh, takes both matchups. So um, hard to say which one that which way that goes necessarily, but. You do think you, you go into the bye probably with a, a very strong record, the the way it's looking now.
0: Yeah, and you look you know, just across the board right now, if if you look obviously you can't in the grand scheme of things, but if you look at the Eagles schedule right now through the lens of just two weeks of NFL action, they're the they're the dominant team on their schedule for pretty much all of their opponents, which is very exciting. Um, there's been very few instances in our lifetime that Eagles have been able to win, you know, double digit, like convincing double digit amount of wins in a season. Obviously, you had the Super Bowl year going thirteen and three, two thousand four, you go thirteen and three. But a lot of the time, it's it's you know that ten and six, nine and seven, sometimes eleven and five. But not a lot of you know twelve plus win seasons under the Eagles belt in our lifetime. And it would be pretty exciting if they're able to kind of figure that out and find a way to uh, you know accumulate some wins against some not so great team so far on their schedule.
1: Yeah. And I think that was the big talking point coming into the year too, is that the Eagles had a very favorable schedule. And I think even some of the games that I get all this in mind that it's week two and, and things can change so much, you know, in, in, you know, a month, two months and, you know, uh, teams may look a little different, but yeah, you look at some of the games that you would have considered tricky games, maybe don't look as challenging right now. Uh, but you know as we get closer to them or as the season goes along things things could have change thinking specifically of like a team like the titans right you know mm-hmm. that, that you might in years past that that might be more of a struggle they've looked pretty bad so far this year um whereas the texans you know in the off season you think the texans are an, an easy win a, you know a team that you should be expected to be been really good this year honestly i've hung around in games I've, I've made life difficult for everyone they've played so far the colts and the broncos um so you know maybe maybe a bit more of a challenge there so yeah, I think it's it's hard when you project, you know, totally, but you know, i, I think it still has rang true that the Eagles have a favorable schedule. I think if, if you had to hand some teams they're on the Eagles uh schedule, you know, for for this year and that's that's a good thing.
0: You know, two weeks in, by the time the Eagles play the Colts, Frank Reich might might not be the head coach of the Colts, the way that they uh have gotten off to such a horrendous start this year.
1: Yeah, I, and not totally undeserved. I thought that he I, – I think he's very lucky that Carson Wentz was his quarterback last year in a sense because not that it wasn't Carson Wentz's fault, of course. Like, it, it, he certainly deserves blame, especially for that Jacksonville uh, implosion on the final day. But, you know, the coach should be getting some blame too. It's it's, it's just kind of weird that Frank Wright got absolutely I, – I felt like zero discussion at all about his, uh, his job security over the summer because – I think he, he deserves some blame for that too and you look at the way they started this season now granted you know it, it, they didn't have Michael Pittman for this last week but still you know getting getting like boat raced by Jacksonville is not a not a good feeling and that has just been a house of horrors for them over the past few years but you know it this is also too like this is what his his third quarterback that he is like outright attached himself to you know it was, was Philip Rivers then Wentz and now Matt Ryan and you know Again, you don't want to proclaim anything two weeks into the season, but I can you say so far that this has been like, wow, we nailed that. <laughs> we no, I, you know, and it's not like Matt Ryan was a, a home run to begin with. I think if you gave someone the option last year of just trading out, you know, swapping Wentz for Ryan, you'd probably make that decision, and and maybe you still would this year. But uh, you know, it has not started well, and uh, and that's the good thing is that division is not amazing and right. even even starting out the season the way they have you could probably win eight games and still be at least in the in the division uh discussion uh this year for them so that's the the bright spot i guess but yeah definitely a coach you could you could imagine you know i, I think there's a few teams that uh you know could be a uh, maybe a different coach like i wouldn't be shocked if maybe by the time the eagles play the cardinals even you know, like if, King- I know they just extended him over the summer, but I mean, that was a mistake when it happened, uh, because there was so much in flux there this summer. If, if they go, you know, they lose their next two. I, I think especially if Kyler Murray doesn't bail Kingsbury out for what was a terrible, terribly managed, uh, end of the game there. I don't think it's inconceivable that that could be a, a different coach. I think Cowboy fans would love if they had a new coach by the time the Eagles played them, um, yeah, even a team like the Titans, I, I, maybe just patience runs out with Vrabel. Maybe they they feel that he's just kind of out of answers, and it's time to kind of uh, transition and rebuild and decide to cut the court. Like that wouldn't that wouldn't really shock me all that much.
0: Yeah, I, uh, I saw a tweet a couple days ago that said, uh, "How long until we see the Sports Center notification? Nick Saban hires Cliff Kingsbury as new Alabama offensive coordinator."
1: Uh, not soon enough, I think, if you're, a, if you're a Cardinals fan.
0: NFL's been wild these first two weeks. How you feeling about your Dolphins? Dolphins looking good, man. Great win against the Ravens. Enticing uh, Lamar yeah. to come down to South Beach.
1: You know, I just love it. And you know what I love even more is that no one knows how to deal with Tua potentially being good. Because no one – everyone is just – the last two years has all been – well, he's just not good enough. He's just not good mm-hmm. enough. And even now, a six-touchdown, by the way, six-touchdown, a a rarity in the NFL, not something that just happens, like 480 yards, leads a comeback against a, a good Ravens team. It's like this is a bad Ravens team, and still people are throwing the asterisk on it and the caveats and this and that. And it's just like I've never seen a quarterback have to do so much to get, like, any amount of respect like, what, what more could he possibly have to do? If Patrick Mahomes has that week, I'm hearing about it for the rest of my life. If Mac Jones – if Mac Jones has a three-touchdown game, I'm hearing about that for the next five years. So why is why is Tua – why is Tua the next day getting zero credit for it? Because people would – here's what people do. It was great, but it's like – can't you just say, wow, maybe we were wrong. It's the maybe same we him and
0: with Jalen Hurts. It's the same.
1: Like – why is it so – like, I get it. It's, it's week two. You could c- certainly make the case it was a, a, a bit – I don't want to call it a fluke, but it, a, certainly like a circumstantial type of game. Like, that's obviously not going to be two every week, we, of, of course. But why is it so hard to just give him credit for that game and winning it? Because I tell you, like, if they had lost that game and had carried on, they certainly would have beaten him with it. And now he wins it, and it's – well, we can't give him credit for that. Mm-hmm. It's all Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. What, what the hell is he supposed to do then? The whole point – is that they loaded up the offense for him and now is going to be the, this was going to be the year if he could work with it and yeah i think six touchdowns in the game is working with it i, I don't like i don't know like he he doesn't have to be tom brady he doesn't have to be patrick mahomes he doesn't have to be lamar jackson like doesn't have to be those guys like to to win and be a good quarterback i, right. I don't know I, I i don't know why that's so hard for people to to attach themselves to but you know what hey you're too listen if you're not 2-0, I, I don't know. You know like I, Tua
0: and just, O baby.
1: Two tune on, tune on is back <laughs> in full force and people really need to uh need to wake up. Say that. The storm is coming.
0: Uh Matt, we we're, we're gonna be doing this every week on the show thanks to our pals over at Trophy Smack the Best Damn Belts, Awards, Rings, Trophies and Bling ever. Immortalize your hard-earned victory and shop all of their fantasy football awards to make your league the best damn league in the game. That's TrophySmack.com. Our link is in the description on YouTube and on audio. Matt, how'd your fantasy week go? How'd the best ball go? Uh, Because right now, it's not looking good for me and my squad. We are 0-2 and uh, I was clinging on to dear life on Thursday Night Football when Justin Herbert uh, got injured and I thought my season was over right then and there.
1: Well, we had different Thursday night experiences because I have a decent amount of Mike Williams. So seeing that first (laughs) half, I was very pumped, very excited. Second half, uh, not as much. Good week for me overall, my two money leagues. uh, uh, A comfortable win, especially Stefan Diggs really uh, really helped me out Monday night. I was very grateful, very grateful for that. Uh, Lamar Jackson really carried me. Um, I, I got so much Lamar Jackson this year just cause I, I felt it in my bones and, uh, I was, I was pleasantly rewarded this week with, uh, <laughs> with that. Um, yeah. So, so two wins feels good. Uh, best balls doing pretty good. I'm, I'm in the top spot in, in two of my, uh, like money best balls. So it's early though, you know, it's, it's very, especially for best ball, you know, so much can change injuries, you know, as I said, Trey Lance get hurt, uh, that hurts because I, I he was a sort of a favorite late round pickup for me in a lot of spots so that's a little frustrating but yeah Lamar Jackson just my new king just love that guy to death loving the bits uh, one of my favorite players and uh, Lamar Jackson Stephon Diggs just those are my dudes right there
0: I felt very good though with Herbert kind of you know questionable and you know I was like I got to get a backup quarterback now just to be safe um, somehow someway cleared waivers. Jimmy G was available, so I added Jimmy G to the roster, and I feel pretty good about that insurance policy there.
1: So do the 49ers, actually. You, yeah. you guys have <laughs> that in common.
0: Could have traded him. Nah, we're going to keep him. Ah, see, we look like geniuses, boys.
1: It's so funny because I mean, the, the week before, so much discourse was around, especially with Dak getting injured about how they should trade into to Dallas, and Even after they signed that extension, people were talking about it and, you know, talking about how they should trade him still or, and how quickly that would have blown up in their face, Uh, you know, like what the narrative would have been about them. Um, It's just funny the way it works out uh, in that sense, you know, like just how quick the turnaround was to now they actually look so smart for doing that, for restructuring that contract and, and all that and keeping him on the team. And um, yeah, so it's going to be interesting to see how the, the 49ers you know story kind of develops this year and obviously sucks for trey lance too because you know really like exciting like quarterback I, I really wanted to see him play this season and now you got to wait another year and obviously sucks because that's this is this was really his chance to, to kind of like develop because he really hasn't <laughs> he's not played the quarterback position all that much at a high level uh even in, in college you know, he obviously lost a season during COVID too like just not a guy that has had a lot of you know, like high-level reps over the last few years, so it's another season that he, he's not going to be able to develop in that way, and that, just, uh, that really sucks. It sucks to see uh, injuries like that, too.
0: Yeah, big time. Um, so we'll see what happens with our, our fantasy teams heading into week three, but thanks to Trophy Smack, uh, go get your, your league upgraded with the best trophies, belts, rings, and bling in the game. Matt, the Phils are are trying to give us – Lots and lots of heartache. Uh, they've lost five in a row. They're currently playing the Blue Jays right now. And um, a lot of people feel as if the sky is falling. They're 80 wins, which has kind of been the the cap of the amount of wins they've been able to accumulate over the past couple of seasons. And they are struggling to get to win 81, win 82, and finally finish the season above 500 and really lock in that wild card spot But the more and more that I'm kind of looking at it, I wouldn't be mad if they're the the final wild card and have a date with St. Louis. And, you know, if all goes well, you avoid the Dodgers until the NLCS.
1: Yeah, there's really no favorable matchup for them. Not (laughs) at all. I think more more credit to the NL in general is just that kind of, uh, it's it's a dangerous path no matter what. Um, yeah, five straight losses, not ideal. Not ideal getting swept by the Braves. I didn't think they played terribly against the Braves, but still uh, never good when you have a potential first-round playoff opponent. You know, it that could be kind of viewed as, as a warm-up, you know, right now. Obviously, not everyone was playing that you maybe you'd expect them to, um, but still getting swept like that, not a great feeling, uh, regardless of maybe how some of those games could have gone a little differently. But I still expect this team to. It's so weird. It's every week with them with the, the roller coaster of emotions. Last week we talked about like, yeah, we're in a good, we're in a good spot, we're doing all right. You know, we got these big series coming up. The series did not go well. Uh, get what looked like honestly a football score against the Blue Jays, eighteen <laughs> eleven. <laughs> um, just don't see that very much, but. I still, I still expect this team because also too, you know, we had the tiebreaker over the Brewers, so really, it's it's always going to be a game extra besides what the the standing uh, standing boards will tell you. I still expect them to, to make the playoffs. Um, I think what's frustrating is that it almost feels like this team got hot at like the wrong part of the season. You know, like like late July into August, it felt like this team really turned it on, and it would have been better if that was like. You know, mid September, <laughs> if they had uh, if they had really turned the jets on, really what I think the Phillies need, and it's so ironic because you know over the last few seasons they've had these great like individual performances like Bryce, you know, winning MVP last year, you had Zach Wheeler with a you know what should have been a, a Cy Young win, uh, Aaron Nola even going back a few years, like you've had these like big seasons where guys have, have really like lifted the the seas for everyone. There hasn't like been that consistent. Guy singular uh this year. It's more been like the Phillies have been surprisingly actually like a very like deep team. At least you know, like in like their top seven or eight players like uh, across all positions, um and they haven't had that like MVP Cy Young type of a person this year. And they could really use that. Like they could actually really use someone playing at a super high level right now, or just catching you know a, a lot of heat. And you hope that you know maybe you know in a week or two someone does uh, make that step up, but. Yeah, the, the Phillies just need, I think, some to to carry them a little bit uh, through these next few weeks, and and hopefully get hot for the playoffs because that's that's really their hope, you know, for for winning this series. Because it, it sucks to say, but even if the, the Phillies finished, you know, not even the last wild card spot, they're going to be the underdogs in everything, you know, in, in every situation conceivably in the playoffs this year. No matter how far or, or short they make it, they're they're going to be they're never going to be favored really in, in any series. Um, so that's you know. That's the recipe, though, is is catching catching a, a little bit of fire and uh, and really like working your way through. And uh, right now, the Phillies just don't have that spark, and and they really could use it.
0: Well, they do have one guy that's actually performing at kind of a historic level. I don't know if you saw Matt Gelb's article today, Matt. Uh, yesterday, when the Phillies were in that just you know onslaught of runs, JT Real Muto went five for five. And uh, he's having the 11th best season ever for a catcher in his 30s by f War at a 6.1 and 14th best b War 5.8. And he's really been the one guy that, you know, during this stretch that it feels like things have gone off the rails, he's picked up the slack and nobody else has been there to kind of back him up. Uh, I think this team desperately misses Reese Hoskins and need to get him back in the lineup, you know, A.S.A.P. Saw him at the Eagles game as well with Bryson Stott. Um, I think once Reese gets back, it'll help a lot of things. Nick Castellanos being out has been a damper on this lineup as well. Um, Because, you know, at the time that he got injured, he was starting to figure some things out. I think once you get those two guys back in the lineup, it'll help. The one move that is really interesting to me, obviously Zach Wheeler pitching tonight. uh, So they had to make room in the rotation I don't know how I feel about Syndergaard being the one going to the bullpen, especially after last night seeing what Kyle Gibson did. It it feels like a, a weird move to put Noah Syndergaard, a guy that you gave up you know capital for at the trade deadline, to be a starter in this rotation and move him to the bullpen when Kyle Gibson's been very up and down this year and seemed like the more ideal person to bump out of the rotation with how successful Bailey Falter's been.
1: Yeah, I, you know, Kyle Gibson, is, especially in the last month, has really, uh, really taken a downturn. And I mean, you see that at this part of the year too, where guys, you know, through the course of a full season, you know, start to to fall apart near the end, and you know, he a lot of fatigue, just just a lot of uh, work through that you've done. So uh, that's frustrating. I, yeah, I, I think you can certainly call it into question. I guess, I guess, I guess the hope is that Gibson. You kind of know, like through two or three innings, what you're getting with Gibson. Yeah, um, and you, I guess, can have like that shorter leash with him. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's just down to, to something with with Rob Thompson. Obviously, knowing them better than we do, but um, and and knowing might how they they might fare in those different types of situations mentally. But uh, it does like strike is a little bizarre. I would say, you know, from the outside looking in, because uh, Gibson has definitely been, I think, the weakest link. Uh, of all, you know, Syndergaard hasn't been blowing doors off either, but, you know, I, I do think Gibson has probably been uh, the, the weaker of the two uh, over this stretch, but maybe, you know, you're trying to convince yourself that uh, if you, you give him some more time to work it out and, you know, he might have like a start or two left in the season and, you know, that then you think about the playoffs you know, and uh, and hopefully you regain some form. I mean, that's, that's a big thing too, you know, is obviously kind of what this race to be Settled, you know, by the last you know like series uh, that Astro series, you kind of hope means nothing for both teams, especially, but especially for the Phillies, uh, because you'd like to maybe give some guys some rest uh, because they have gotten a little aggressive in the last few weeks with the bullpen usage, and you know they have had obviously Mondays off, and I think that has benefited uh, you know, at least like I- I'm sure like could benefit this team long term now um, with with some uh, a little bit of uh, rest and, and getting some juice back, but you know I, I think it would be nice to maybe. Give a team that is has limped through various stages of this season, giving guys like three or four days off, I think would be a, a really good thing.
0: The uh, you bring up the Astros too. I don't know if you saw our boy, the one and only Hector Neris, uh, clinching and closing it out for the Astros to win the AL West. He was the guy who got that final pitch and was reported to be the life of the party. In the locker room, and as soon as uh, they clinched and went in, he was shotgunning beers and uh, popping champagne and everything in the clubhouse. Uh, Yet, we decided to let him walk and sign Jerry's Familia. I'll never be over it. I'll never get over it.
1: I just... Just a bad choice. Made a bad choice, but go win a go win a ring, King. I guess I, I don't know. It's hard to root for the Astros outside of uh, outside of him, but yeah, only deserved. I mean, he's been good. I he has such a, like, a weird perception, and I think it's because of like some of his early stuff with the Phillies that I think people really attach themselves to uh, and just never really like let go of. But he was he was good. I I I, I, I don't get it. I don't get it. It it, made, it would have made sense if you had made some like smart signings, but you didn't. And yeah. I think even, that's not even hindsight talking. I think that's that was apparent even at the time that it was just sort of a, a head-scratcher.
0: Yeah, nothing will uh, nothing will beat the edited version of Jimmy Butler saying Tobias Harris over me that uh, absolutely hammered me, and it was Hector Neris saying, Jerry's Familia over me. Um, but speaking of, you know, baseball and our favorite prop, the NL East Run Differential. It's brought to you by our friends over at Pickup. You guys can go to playpickup.com, start playing the hottest headlines in sports. The NFL is here. College football is here. Uh, Get those preseason NBA props in. And, of course, baseball playoffs, along with our season-long NL East Run Differential prop. It's all over at playpickup.com, where you can sign up with your phone number. It's free to play these props. Anybody can play. And you rack up points on your fan profiles by getting props correct. You cash those in for prizes on the pickup marketplace. So go to playpickup.com and start playing the hottest headlines in sports. The Atlanta Braves, Matt, they clinched their ticket to the postseason. They lead the NL East run differential with a whopping plus 171 in that column. The New York Mets still clinging on to life in the lead of the NL East itself. With a plus 147 run differential. The Philadelphia Phillies at 80 and 67, at a plus 61. The Miami Marlins at an even negative 100. And then uh, the stolen franchise, Washington Nationals, still out of the basement in terms of all of baseball, but in the basement of the NL East at a minus 213 run differential and the Pittsburgh Pirates are leading the way for all of Major League Baseball at a minus 215 with a record of 55-93, and 93, which is not the worst record in baseball. That still belongs to the Washington Nationals at 52-97. and 97. Meanwhile, you have the L.A. Dodgers poised to make another deep postseason run with a whopping plus 330 run differential this season.
1: Christ. Remember when we were talking about them hitting 300? But like, yeah, they could do that. Now I'm wondering if they could hit 400.
0: <laughs> no. I mean, with about two and, yeah, and a half like weeks a, left. It,
1: it all feels like an exercise in futility. <laughs> it all feels like an exercise in futility when you're talking about like playoff matchups and stuff, and it's like the Dodgers exist, and you're just like, ah, well, ah, we'll be alright.
0: <laughs> the Astros at plus 208. The Yankees at plus 210. <sighs> must be nice must be nice
1: it must be nice to not be in the division that's as hard as the uh the though so, right you know
0: like it must be nice to be in the the al central where 81 wins is leading the division right now and there's two sub 60 win teams yeah that'd be uh <laughs> that'd be really cool like four-fifths
1: of that division may not be a 500 team
0: and like four-fifths <laughs> of that division are not making the playoffs.
1: Right. Like, And not like, oh, they're going to miss. Like, They are not making the playoffs. Yeah. Not sniffing it, even.
0: Like, that division's so bad. The White Sox are four games over 500, but they have a negative three-run differential.
1: And the Twins are at plus 10.
0: Two games under they... 500. They have Miami Marlins syndrome.
1: I just don't get it. They are there. They are Marlins... <laughs> Marlins Central,
0: the Minnesota Marlins. Something
1: about being a pen- something about being in a peninsula, you know. That really.
0: Uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh man, uh, but yeah. Hopefully the Phillies, uh, you know, as Rick and Morty once said, get their shit together and uh, wrap up this this postseason spot, as they are currently sitting a game and a half back of the Padres in the wild card chase, two games up not including the tiebreaker over the Brewers. God bless our Phillies. Let's get this shit done, boys. Let's clinch the postseason berth that the Philadelphia Union already have under wraps as they continue to fight for the supporter shield, Matt. uh, They're tied with LAFC in terms of points in the standings with two games to go, making decision day that much more exciting
1: yeah so now uh now the supporter shield has swung back into uh la's favor they they won at houston uh, this weekend philly obviously drawing with atlanta uh, so now you didn't have to win out have to hope for some some help which could certainly come um, in terms of uh in terms of losses or, or some kind of draw by by la uh, not inconceivable that they do that union definitely had the easier schedule um obviously it'd be great to win the supporter shield it's, it's another trophy to add but really this is all about getting prepared and keeping healthy for uh, the playoff run and um you know la still has to play portland uh which is obviously a, a tough opponent and then on decision day have nashville so definitely the the tougher uh, of the two schedules there and uh, could definitely open up the door still for the union atlanta was, that was a frustrating game I, I think in a lot of ways but Still showcases too that just how good defensively <laughs> the Union are. Um, still, just a team that is a, a very, very tough opponent to play against. So, um, still, I, I think it, in the East, it, it's going to run through Philadelphia and teams. Teams will not want to play this Union team. That's something I felt very strongly about all season, even before this team is like top of the East. Still felt like that. Just they are the they are the quintessential kind of built for playoff type of team and uh you know that they, they really limit uh, opponent chances and now that they've added obviously that attacking talent uh through the course of this year and they've developed so well together that uh you know i really think this is a team that could could be a huge problem um you know they also have the lowest amount of losses in the league too like they've they've really just uh they've found a way to not lose <laughs> which in soccer of course you can do uh you know it, it, it works out just fine um because you, know, you can still obviously pick up points other ways. But, yeah, it's just a team that can beat you in so many different ways, and I think that's what makes them dangerous is that, you know, Union teams of the past maybe haven't had that, like, multifaceted layer to their game, or the, the Union certainly do now.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I don't, I'm obviously the novice here, but the Union have their, their friendly this weekend. Do any of the regulars suit up for that, or is that mostly just, you know, Union 2 or, you know, kind of backup guys?
1: Yeah, usually, usually in any kind of friendly, that's more for like fitness and, and things like that, or it might be some sort of like commercial deal. Be be pretty surprised to see any like big names playing that, especially given you know kind of the, the circumstances now around the union season. Um, yeah, typically, you know, you get like a, a look at young players, uh, things like that. It is like a bit strange to have it in uh, like the you know such a, a big part of the season, but um, yeah. Typically, typically not a, a type of thing that you're gonna see you know a lot of you know, big name players had and you know a lot of like the international players too will be away on international duty because uh, it's, it's the international break right now so uh, yeah expect to see maybe some names you aren't quite as familiar with
0: also not a fan that uh, decision day has two different start times time zones stink because uh, all the west coast games start at 530 Eastern and all the East Coast games are 230 Eastern. Feels a little uh, scoreboard watchy for the West Coast.
1: Yeah, definitely, and I, I think too they're they're looking to change that next year. Um, just in general, they're looking because Apple TV. I think the, the Apple TV deal starts next year. They're looking to have a much more like regimented schedule with MLS. Um, you're like really compacting it into like two two days a week. Um, I think that would help in in some ways too, like with the, like viewership and things like that, you could program around it a little better. Um, so I would imagine that's something they look at next year too, because I think it is a little more exciting when everyone's playing at the same time. I get, you know, you have to kind of play to different markets and things like that, but, um, yeah, you know, the union could apply some pressure though, you know, and that's, that's the good thing.
0: Yeah. We want, uh, we want LAFC playing as tight as possible. That's for sure. Um, you know, I was at Subaru Park this past weekend. And always good to be there. It's very, it's still very funny to me that I've never been there for a Union game whatsoever, but I've now been there three straight <laughs> PLL seasons. That there have been, you know, the tour model uh, four games and two of them for a championship game. And one, uh, Michael Sowers wins the PLL Championship MVP. He's a Philly boy. He's got the thickest Delco Philly accent you could possibly hear. Uh, Gets the WWE championship belt from Triple H. Gets sent in with the PLL logo on it. And Matt, uh, I thought it was pretty interesting. The PLL has a uh, sponsorship deal. Not a sponsor of our show with Cash App. And uh, they sent the winning team 50K to go party. Right on the spot. Giant Cash App card set up with 50K for them to go celebrate. Uh, But shout out to some Philly boys winning a championship. Michael Sowers, Chris Sabia. Eli Gobrecht, and uh, Matt Witcher, who went to York College of Pennsylvania. And uh, a bunch of them also went to the Eagles game on Monday night, which was absolutely hilarious. Uh, I'll have to send you the picture of, of the four of them. It looks like the most ragtag crew of gentlemen you will ever see in your life. I uh, We have an interview this week on OTB with head coach Andy Copeland of the Water Dogs. And we were talking about it before we started recording. He said... Jack Hanna, who is their star rookie this year, he's wearing like an Eagles visor that Sirianni would wear. And he said, he, Jack Hanna looks like he's on another planet. And uh, he went to the University of Denver. And I said, Yeah, his Denver is showing. <laughs> yeah. <definitely. laughs> yeah, the, the mile high city. Yeah. So shout out to the Water Dogs and all the Philly boys. But Matt, it is that time of year once again survivor season 43 is in the fold we uh we sifted through the castaways last week we don't have our ace in the whole uh you know cheat code like we have the last two seasons but obviously we pick our podcast winner and uh so far the first two seasons of survivor being back we've picked the runner up uh we're in fantasy survivor again this year but Survivor gets underway, two-hour season premiere tonight, and we uh, got a lot of Philly people in this cast as well, which is exciting, but looking at this season, what are what are the expectations going in for this cast?
1: Well, I'm just, you know, you, you led me perfectly into it, so I going to say, you said Philly people, and my, my, my winner pick is James. Uh, we did it I... again. <laughs> <laughs> I just, here's the thing. Sean, I loved his smile, and I was like, yes. you know, James has a similar smile." And there's something about it. I who knows? Um, from Philly, that helps. Listen, I I just think if you're, listen, if you're from the Northeast, you're from a, a a very diverse part of the country with shit weather, you know. So you have to endure things that maybe someone from sunny California doesn't have to do, or hot and humid Florida doesn't have to deal with as much, right? Like you got to deal with all the seasons. You gotta deal with traffic. You know that that helps with your stress management. Uh, you know, again, you, you've grown up around tons of people. You're you're comfortable having conversations. You can you can make friends fast. You're smart. You're street smart. Like, I just I you know I just think it's a great asset. And um, yeah, and I think James too to get a little game theory. He's thirty seven. I think that's like a good age. We've had some like young winners the, the last few seasons. Like that's definitely uh, a bit a thing. But I think. Typically like your ideal kind of survivor age is like late twenties to like forties. Like Mm -hmm. that's kind of the sweet spot and he fits right in that because you're still young, you can connect with like a younger person at that age, but uh you certainly have like experienced a lot of life and and definitely can relate to others too. So I love James. Just going off just going off gut feeling, going off a picture. That's it. Uh it, it has served us well the past few seasons, I'll say that much. It was it was Mike and Deshaun and we were we were close
0: both times third times i was nervous that for this one we're not in studio together so we didn't get to really peruse the cast together and i was like oh man what if we pick a different winner and as soon as you said james i said let's go um yeah, I felt the same way. Gave big like Deshawn vibes, gave like the the trustworthiness of Mike vibes. And I also looked through the cast again and I'm 90% sure I remember correctly, there's no Canadian women <laughs> this year for the new cheat code because the last 2 seasons Canadian women have won. Kudos to them, but the, I don't believe we have a Canadian woman in the cast this year.
1: Good. Uh that's actually really good that you did that research because I, I, I really hadn't even thought of that, but now that's a little that's a little burden off my mind. So
0: that one's in the back pocket now, but there it is. We went to Sean, we went Mike, and now James is uh He's Underground an event Sports planner. Philadelphia. There's
1: no more stressful job. There's no more stressful job than being an event planner. Like play, like <laughs> come on. And this guy like he has he has to be good at this. He has to be. He I believe has so be. much in James. I believe in him.
0: I uh, I'm pulling his profile he up down, here sure now for the people at home. And he's got he's got football. His, James Jones is his full name. Uh, his his profile here. James Jones has always been able to adapt ever since he became a fish out of water on a college campus of thirteen thousand and when the 37-year-old saw Earl Cole win Survivor back in 2007, he realized this was the show for him. The event planner's guest list for alliances includes purposely seeking out people who are his opposites, even if that means going against his Philly instincts and opening up his heart. There's no more perfect person for us to pick for this show than James this year. The uh...
1: Yeah, I, I love it. Uh, Earl Cole, by the way, what a like, great winner. Would love to have him back on um, on the show at some point. Just a, a fantastic player. So if that's who you're looking up to, like that's good. You know, I like that. I like. The it gets thinking.
0: better. It gets better. Favorite hobbies. Curating events. Finding the best cocktails in the city. Reading and writing. Three words to describe you. Confident, casual, self-aware. His pet peeves. Really bad customer service. Pushy salespeople. What is the accomplishment you're most proud of winning the United States Chess Open, the largest chess tournament in the USA for my rating bracket. When I was 12, you're playing against grown people and I won $1,200. That was like $100,000 to me at the time. It gave me the confidence that I could do almost anything. What is something uh, we would never know from looking at you? I grew up in the church. I was an usher and sang in the choir from age six to 17. My dad was a deacon and my mom was a deaconess. I have a deep faith, but it, is my, uh, but it is my own faith. I don't talk about it a lot, but I am a big believer. Who is your hero and why? My mom. She overcame a lot to raise me and gave me the foundation of the person that I am today. She made sure that I was raised in a safe house, made sure I went to church to develop a moral compass, took me to black history workshops as a child so I had a sense of self-worth. She made sure I got into the best public school in the city, then made sure I could travel the country as a middle schooler playing chess. She passed away five years ago, and as I grow older, I grow to admire her more each day. Which past survivor will you play the game most like? Sandra's, quote, anyone but me will always be my strategy. As long as I see a path to the end, I am with people or have people in which I trust. If I don't have that, I will be an agent of chaos, rustle with charm. I am playing to win and not for 7th place. And why do you believe you can be the sole survivor? I thrive and find a certain comfort in chaos. Managing managing events at a club on a Friday night, anything can happen, but whatever issues pop up, you have to handle. That takes interpersonal skills if it's dealing with people, and it takes general problem-solving skills when dealing with a venue, and you still have to make sure everyone at your party has a great time.
1: I mean, come on. And I'm I'm supposed to not pick this guy to win. I mean, come on. You know, he needs to be I on doing?
0: this show as soon as this season ends.
1: <laughs> I love it. So I, there I heard, it is. You know, it just, and uh, listen, I did not do any perusing. I did not do any profile searching. I literally just looked at our fantasy survivor game.
0: Yes. And I looked at the
1: headshots, and that is how I made my choice. I divined it. That is how it has worked sort of (laughs) the last two seasons. So I'm just, I'm rolling with that method until it fails me, but I don't think it will. I think James is going to be another, we've been very blessed the last two seasons with good cast, good people, good gameplay. And I'm hopeful for the same this year too.
0: Very excited. James, I think is going to be a rock star. I think he's, you know, going to be in that pantheon of us continuing to uh, have an eye for potential and or actual winner. On Survivor Season 43, but that's all we got for you guys. Make sure uh, you're rooting for James for us to win this season, and make sure you're following us on the socials at Underground PHI on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow our Survivor account as well at Buffs and Snuffs on Twitter. Follow Matt on Twitter at matt Castorina. Follow me at kbizzl311. Make sure you check out our Facebook page, facebook.com/slash Underground Sports PHI. And uh twitch.tv slash underground sports phi. Check out the website, undergroundsportsphiladelphia.com. And of course, subscribe to the podcast feed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, we are there. And leave those five-star ratings and reviews. It goes a long way for helping people find the show. And subscribe to the Underground Sports Philadelphia YouTube channel where you get full video episodes of every Underground Sports Philadelphia podcast smash that like button, ring the bell icon, comment down below with your winner of Survivor, with who, you know, when you think the Phillies are going to clinch their postseason berth, your thoughts on the Eagles, the Union, and anything else in between. I'm also blaming last night's loss, Matt, for the Phillies on the Flyers being a batting practice uh, because that just, it never fails. You know, it's, it's they just They put the, the stink on them. Babe. It's put the, the stink. On them. Uh, so make sure you go check out the YouTube channel as well. Be a friend, tell a friend as we're on that hashtag road to 1k on the YouTube channel. Big thank you to our sponsors who make this show happen. Main Auto LLC, Security21, Security Systems, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland, Tomahawk Shades Pickup, Kenwood Beer, and Bino Board. All of their info is linked in the show notes on audio and in the description on YouTube. This has been episode number 466 of Underground Sports Philadelphia. Everybody enjoy Survivor, and uh, we'll be back talking about the Eagles, talking about the Phils, the Union, and much, much more on the next episode of Underground Sports Philadelphia. But until then, Matt and I are signing off. Peace.